Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you. Thanks for coming up. How many of you guys like to play by yourself better than with other kids? We all like playing with other kids better, right? It's way more fun to play with other people, with friends, with brothers and sisters, until those other kids start taking your stuff, right? Then you kind of wish you were just playing alone so nobody could take your stuff, right? We don't like it when people take away things that belong to us. But today, we're going to hear some really good news that our God takes away something that belongs to us. And that something that belongs to us is our sin. It's belonged to us from the moment we were conceived in our mommy's tummies, from the moment we were born, we have had this sin in us. And it shows itself in all the naughty stuff that we think and say and do. And today we're going to learn that because our Savior Jesus died on the cross for us, because he rose from the dead, all of our sin has been taken away. Usually it's not very good news when somebody takes away something that belongs to us. But today we find out that the best news in the world is that our God takes away something that belongs to us. He takes away our sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to, to live the perfect life that we can't live, to die on the cross, to forgive all of our sins, and to rise from the dead, to show us that death is not the end and that the sins really are taken away. We, we thank you for sending him to take away all of our sins. In his name we pray. Amen. Portion of God's word that we'll focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came and told him this. There were two men in a city. One was rich and one poor. The rich man had a large number of flocks and herds. The poor man did not own anything except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. He raised it so that it grew up together with him and his children. It ate from his food and drank from his cup. It slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. When a traveler came to the rich man, the rich man was unwilling to take an animal from his flock or from his herd to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. So he took the lamb from the poor man and prepared it for the man who had come to him. David's anger flared up against that man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this is as good as dead. In place of that lamb, he will restore four lambs because he did this and had no pity. Nathan told David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel. I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave the house of your master to you. And I gave the wives of your master into your embrace. I gave you the house of Israel and the house of Judah. If this was too little, I would have added even more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his eyes? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife as your own wife. You have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. So now the sword will not depart from your house forever, 
because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. This is what the Lord says. Look, I am raising up disaster against you from your own house. Right in front of your eyes, I will take your wives and give them to your neighbor. And he will lie down with your wives in the sight of the sun. Because you acted in secret, I will do this in front of all Israel in broad daylight. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, the Lord himself has put away your sin. You will not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have treated the Lord with utter contempt, the child that is born to you shall surely die. This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. At the time of our text, David had stacked sin upon sin upon sin, each one to cover up the previous. He was out in his palace one evening and he looked out upon the city before him and he saw on a nearby rooftop a a beautiful woman bathing herself. And he was not content with all that he had been blessed with. And so he used his kingly authority to have this woman brought into his bedroom. And he slept with her. And she conceived. And when David found out that she was with child, he went into disaster recovery mode. He he started thinking of ways he could cover this up. And he sent for her husband, who was off at war. And he had him brought back, figuring he'll go home and sleep with his wife, and then she and I will be the only ones who know, nobody else will know. But when this woman's husband got back, he refused to go home. And the next morning when asked why, he basically said, how could I go to my house and eat and drink and and sleep with my wife when all my fellow soldiers are sleeping in tents in a field getting ready to fight? David wasn't done giving up, he wasn't done trying though. So that night, he had a great banquet in honor of this soldier. And he did everything he could to get him drunk, and he succeeded. Then he sent him home, thinking, well, now he'll go home to his wife. Wouldn't go. So the next morning, David had a letter written and handed it to Uriah the soldier and sent him back to the commander. And in that letter that Bathsheba's husband was carrying was basically his death sentence. It was a letter that said, put Uriah on the front lines, and when the fighting is the fiercest, have the army retreat and leave him stranded. And that's what happened, and Uriah died. Every single sin to cover up the previous one. Sin after sin after sin. And David was oblivious to it all. He didn't see any of it. 
And so the Lord sends this prophet named Nathan to David with one goal. Show David his sin. Make sure he sees it. That's the point of this story, which David thinks is real, about this rich man and this poor man. Nathan tells this story about the rich man who's got all these flocks and herds, plenty of sheep, plenty of cattle, and then there's this one poor man who has one ewe lamb. He, he bought it with his own money. He raised it in his own home. It ate his food, drank his drinks, slept in his arm. It was like a daughter to him. And the rich man takes that lamb to feed his guest instead of taking from his, from his many possessions. And how does David react? The man who is blind to see his own failures, one after the next, stacked up on top of each other, we're told his anger flares up. It's an interesting picture that the, the younger people here today will understand best. And by younger people, I mean anyone who has used an emoji to communicate. If you've ever used an emoji to communicate, you will understand this picture best. So you got all the yellow yellow-faced emojis with all the different emotions. But then if you want to communicate anger, what color is the face of the emoji. It's red, right? It's always a a red emoji. And that's interesting because that's exactly how the Hebrew language has been communicating anger for thousands of years. To communicate anger in Hebrew, it talks about the nose. Every single time. Not sunburned noses like mine, but noses that get red with anger. And if you think about it, the last part of your face to get red, if you get really angry, is your nose. That's the the place that it takes the blood the longest to get to as you get really beat red with anger. And so the way the Hebrews would communicate anger is by talking about how red the nose got. So David here, his nose is inflamed, is what it literally says. David's so angry that even his nose is beat red. Think about that. He's completely oblivious to all the sin in his own life. Everything he did was objectively wicked. And yet he has no problem seeing it in the life of another, but he can't see it inside himself. David says, this man is as good as dead. David understood the punishment for sin. The Old Testament tells us that the soul who sins is the one who will die. And not just an earthly death, not just a body that stops functioning. Eternal death, eternal separation from from God and his love. David is, is essentially pronouncing death and hell as the righteous verdict for this fictional man He's as good as dead. And when he's dead from his estate, we're going to take four times what was taken from the poor man and give it to him. Then justice will be served. But Nathan has to tell him, David, it's you. You're the man. Just to make sure it's absolutely clear and there's no misunderstanding at all, Nathan takes the time to review with David where he's come from. This this shepherd boy, the youngest son of Jesse, 
the most unlikely of all those sons to be anointed by God, to be chosen by God, to be the king over Israel, God chooses the runt, the littlest one, the youngest one. God anointed you, David. God is the one who protected you from your predecessor when he wanted to kill you. God is the one who has given you all the blessings that you enjoy, and if it wasn't enough, he would have given you more, David. What did you do? You despised the Lord. You treated him with utter contempt. And that's when David sees it. He finally sees all the sin that he had committed against the Lord. And what does he say? He opens his mouth after being shown his sin. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. And this is where it's such good news that the Lord's nose does not quickly become inflamed like David's did. Are you familiar with the famous passage from Exodus 34? The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Do you know what it actually says there? When it says, when we translate it slow to anger, it calls the Lord long-nosed. It takes the tip of his nose a long time to get red. David blows up at this story about a man who had done something very wicked. His nose becomes inflamed. He's enraged. And how does the Lord treat him? Slow to anger, patient, forgiving. David says, I have sinned against the Lord, and Nathan gets to give him the best news in the world. The Lord has put away your sin. Some translations say the Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. That was God's promise to David. God promised David, it is certain as certain can be, you will not suffer the verdict that you pronounced on the wicked man in the story, the verdict of death and hell that you said this wicked man deserved, this wicked rich man deserved, that will not be your fate because the Lord has put away your sin. He has taken it away. You will not die. But, there was a but. The child will. The child shall surely die. There was a consequence to David's earthly sin. Two of them, in fact. Did, did you catch them? While pointing out his sin, the prophet Nathan said, So now the sword will not depart from your house forever, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. God promises David his family is going to be a mess. And that's what happens. David's sons and his grandsons and his great-grandsons, they are going to be a mess. They're going to bring shame and dishonor on the family. There's going to be fighting throughout his whole line. That's one of the consequences of his sin. The second one, the child that is born to you shall surely die. The exact same phrase that God used with Adam and Eve in the garden saying, if you eat from this, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. 
There were consequences to David's earthly sin, and yet he was forgiven. We would do well to to wrestle with this this morning. Let's start by talking about the child. The cause of the child's death was not David's sin. The cause of our death as individual humans, the punishment that we deserve as individual humans is our own sin. And this child, like all of us, was conceived in sin, born in sin, and when he died seven days later, he died because of the sin that was in him. But it was David's sin that caused the timing of his death. God said, this will be the consequence. Your sin means this child dies now. As you get to know people who have objections to Christianity, I think this is a very common one. Have you ever heard someone say something to the extent of, of, so you're telling me that God forgives all sin? Adolf Hitler all those sins would be forgiven and then my grandma, innocent little Christian grandma, all her sins are forgiven and now they're the same? That's what you're telling me? You ever heard anything along those lines? There's a lot of people who who really struggle with the idea of forgiveness as it's described in the Bible. And it's important for us to understand that just because God has put away sin, just because God takes away sin, and removes the eternal consequence, eternal separation from God, eternal death, hell itself, does not mean that earthly sin will no longer have earthly consequences. In fact, oftentimes, sin has great consequences. For those of you who are single, perhaps you're, you're not even dating, not married, Let's say that there's a single one among us who gets addicted to pornography. And then we have a, a married person among us who gets addicted to pornography. The single person is alone in their home. Nobody else knows. It doesn't seem to have an impact on anybody else. But the married person who's addicted to pornography then acts on it and has an affair and destroys an entire family. Relationships with children destroyed, relationships with spouse destroyed, relationship with extended family destroyed. The damage is widespread. Compare those two, and and you're probably going to compare the damage, the pain that is caused to other humans. And you might be tempted to think, well, one's a bigger deal than the other. When the single person is shown their sin in the word of God and they, like David, confess I have sinned against the Lord. That single person hears the same words that David heard. The Lord has put away your sin. You are not going to die. And when the married person is shown their sin and the married person, by God's grace, like David, confesses I have sinned against the Lord, they'll hear the same same words. The Lord has put away your sin. He's taken away your sin. You are not going to die but that doesn't mean that the earthly consequences are gone. The wake of destruction will still be there. Divorce might become reality. Relationships strained with children for the rest of their lives. 
families broken forever. See, it might seem like there's a difference between hatred in the heart that's never acted on and Hitler's hatred, which was acted on and destroyed the lives of millions. And there is. The difference is in the impact on other human beings. The difference is in the consequences that follow the sin. The difference is not in God's ability to forgive. The difference is not found in God's ability to put away sin. God puts away all sin. That's his promise. He sent his son Jesus to do just this, to cancel the charges against all of us, to to remove the verdict of hell. And that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. His innocent life given as a sacrifice to pay the price for every single sin, no matter the consequence that it would have on other humans, Jesus paid for all sin. He has put away your sin and put away mine. It's gone forever. And his resurrection is the proof. Because our sins that were laid upon Jesus, he's the one who was treated as our sins deserved, they were removed forever when the Father raised him from the dead. The fact that he's alive proves it because the soul who sins is the one who dies, but the one who does not sin is the one who lives. And so when the father removed the sins from his son Jesus, his resurrection was the result and the proof is that sin is gone. And yet for you and me, as we walk out of here, we walk out of here today with the understanding that some sins have greater consequences than others. Parents who are still parenting children, you do well to remember this. And children who are being parented, you do well to remember this too. Every single Christian parent will forgive their children for every single sin. But it's important to remember that forgiveness does not mean no consequences. In fact, sin often have consequences. And so faithful Christian parents do just that. They give their children consequences for their sin. And children, as you receive these consequences, it is important for you to remember that this does not mean you're not forgiven. Of course you're forgiven. Your parents forgive you. The Lord forgives you. Your sins have been taken away by Jesus forever. And yet sins do still have consequences. And it's good for you to remember that and to appreciate the blessing of your parents who've not only forgiven you, but have taught you. Every single one of us here has committed a sin, maybe many sins in our life, that have resulted in consequences on this earth. And as you look back on those, I am confident that you could see God's blessing in those consequences too. I know I can. Do you think David ever forgot this? Do you think David ever forgot these two promises of the Lord? as his family spiraled out of control, as Absalom rebelled and tried to take the throne, as he would lie awake thinking about the child who died, do you think David forgot why these things were happening? No way. The consequences of David's sin served as a blessing for him the rest of his life because they were a reminder to him how serious sin is and how it impacts other people. And the Lord used those consequences of David's sin as a curb to keep him from sinning more in the future and God does the same for you and for me. 
He allows the consequences of my sin and the consequences of your sin to serve as blessings, to curb us from hurting people more in the future, to curb us from hurting ourselves because sin is always attacking faith in Jesus. Sin is always trying to drive us away from God and so our God blesses us even in the consequences of earthly sin as he always has our eternal best interest in mind. So today, leave here at peace, knowing that the Lord has put away all your sin. Hell is not for you, just heaven. And leave here today thankful even for the consequences of sin committed in the past. Amen.